Hello and welcome to the 909 podcast. Uh, we have a very special episode this week. Um, not only do we have one guest, we have two. who we teased last week. His name is Dave Hanratty. And there will be... Uh, <laughs> okay, can openings. No encore. Uh, Dave is joining us today. Hello, Dave. Hello, how's it going? How Hi. are you? Delighted to be here. How does it yeah. feel to be talking about music in front of a microphone again? Incredible. I'm yeah. so happy. You've no <laughs> idea. No encore has been on a bit of a break since uh, December. Um, when can we expect you back? Because... Yeah, it's we time. Yeah, so No Encore uh, is a, I guess, rival podcast to the Nine Nine podcast. It's been called a rival yeah. podcast, but people don't times. understand by, by that. us mostly. <laughs> we're we're mostly okay with each other, yeah. I think. Oh, oh, mostly. I was okay. I was I was okay. No. Yeah, the sure. podcast took a little break, and um, I understand there might be some crossover listeners, but for new listeners, uh, there is another musical option out there uh, <laughs> in the Irish. Okay, cut that out. <laughs> but like, here's the thing. Uh, yes, No Encore podcast returns on Valentine's Day. Ooh. Friday, February the 14th And yeah, I'm very, very excited to bring it back I've had a little bit of a break And it's been amazing to have that break But I will say that I desperately missed the show And also listening to your show In the meantime has made me very envious Because I was like, they get to talk about things And I don't <laughs> So myself and Craig Fitzpatrick will be back on the airwaves on Friday the 14th of the February. Just on the date that day. That's the plan. Um, our other brother, Dahi Odroni, is very much still a part of the show, but he's taking a back seat because he's been very busy. And congratulations to him on his recent Choice Prize nomination, of course. I couldn't possibly comment. He, he, <laughs> was, he was like, I got Choice Prize nominated now, guys. I'm out. Yeah. 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 So fair yeah. enough. Yeah. I, I saw him the last time uh, at a quiz we were all at that you were hosting Strutting around like he owns the place. That was the same day as well, wasn't it? I same know, day, yeah. same day. Uh, and as the nomination these dulcet tones coming from my right. <laughs> we we have a little surprise guest. It's the first today, time I've ever guys. had a surprise guest. It's Norma. Norma. Hello. Hi, Norma. I'm Norma Howard. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to like. Thank you for having me. I have like. Welcome to the like, thank literally, you. Literally like bombarded the studio and um, now forcing people to deal with my presence. So it's great. You've got opinions. You can give I've them to us. I've got opinions. Yeah. I mean, I like music. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. We can do this. That is like the bar on this episode <laughs> is so low that that I swear, is fine. I swear. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. You're in good hands. It'll That's be beautiful. Yeah. It should be known like, not to be that guy, but real quick. No Encore does a film thing, film music thing. Yeah. Dre, you're on a recent episode of Cats that we did. That's very I never good. want to see that film. Oh, <laughs> man. Listen, to that. Listen to the episode though. I did. Yeah. And that's why I never want to see the film ever. Yeah, ever. we were close to So my, yeah, my, myself and David Higgins and Norma are like the main hosts of that show. So Norma, if anything, has much more of a cinematic slash musical purview than I would so I'm glad that she's here because now I feel a lot more comfortable I'm glad that she's well I'm sure we can talk some more about some films we've seen in the last few weeks uh one particular I'm thinking of but uh we can get to that towards the end of the show um we're going to be discussing uh Dan Deacon's album uh that came out last week um which is called Mystic Familiar um that is his fifth album and uh, we'll be discussing that for albums a week we also have songs coming up and for discussion from Sufjan Stevens and Sharon Von Etten Amongst others. But first, the big news in um, music and general entertainment this week was the Super Bowl halftime show. Mm-hmm. I think we started talking about this last year when the Maroon 5 thing happened, right? So that was yeah. a big Super Bowl experience. And obviously there's been huge um, Super Bowl performances in the last 10 years, the likes of Beyonce. 
And somewhat divisive, I found out, the the um, Katy Perry one. I always thought that was considered a good one, no? Yeah, I, I think it's kind of no. now considered um, a pretty strong production. Um, yeah, production was good, right? I felt, I felt this year that I, I yeah I'm, I'm skipping over you know discussion of we've, we've talked about the other ones in the past this year it was JLo it was Shakira Shakira and they were both really strong performers but I ask you where that budget went because there was nothing to show for it besides they paid the dancers uh, there's sparkles there was sparkles there's so I many mean, sparkles like, steel cages <laughs> There, was, there didn't seem to be any creative direction at all. Whoever was directing it, whoever edited it like afterwards, whoever was like producing what we see on the screen, it was a bizarre kind of mess. And it, I found it a real shame because I thought that Shakira and JLo, who I'd never really had a whole lot of love for her vocals, I actually thought she nailed Which her one? Vocals. Sorry. J-Lo. J Lo, J Lo, J Lo. I've just never really got her like vocally. I've always found her to be a little bit bland or something. But like she brought it obviously in her performance. But I thought her vocals were fantastic. But they were just let down by like no creative direction whatsoever. There is, um, well, okay. First of all, base question: mm. Why did they put the two of those together? Is there any they had that song together about 10 years ago. Yeah, but it's such a strange thing at this time, like 2020, you're like, put those two It's together. a very uninspiring booking. And I'm kind of surprised that the Super Bowl, like, the Super Bowl has turned into a bizarre multimedia event because you get those trailer spots, those 30 second trailer spots for Marvel movies and for Bond movies and for yeah. wrestling. Like five million. Oh, they, they can cost to, up to a yeah. hundred million. It's yeah. an insane marketing event. The, the, the American football match that takes place is almost secondary or tertiary unless of course that's why you're there. Which Who won? The, the Chiefs, Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs. I actually did watch it. Nice. Okay, came from behind, I believe. Yeah, it was good. In a thriller, wow. uh, I fell asleep. I fell it asleep in the last five minutes. Game of four nice. quarters, sort of. Yeah. Let's, let's just be real here. Those oh, so are sorry. all the terms you know. Yep, that's every baseball I know. We can we can curse on this, can we? Yes, we can do whatever yes, we, we like. Who, like what the fuck? I mean, like the Super Bowl is like it's the most damp squib pop event ever yeah. because in recent years, Maroon Five terrible, Justin Timberlake woeful uh, even like Beyonce's thing was obviously a huge cultural moment but then by the what well, people don't talk about about that one is by the end of it it was Coldplay and Bruno Mars and this kind of then you had like she also like banned a lot of images because she didn't look well is that yeah 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 there was a lot That's of like there was, there was pictures of her where she just was pulling weird faces and people were like but, I, but, like, but oh, you would recognize that band. moment as like, you know, the formation performance is incredible. Lady Gaga's performance, you know, you have also ones down the line where you're like, cool, you can throw back to like Prince and Bruce Springsteen as these iconic events. But I don't know if it matters. It feels very homogenous. It doesn't really. Have you ever. I think people have you wanted ever seen, to be an event though. Yeah. Have you ever seen the documentary, the um, MIA documentary? Yeah. Yes. But she's on the Super Bowl and she gives the middle finger. Yeah. And then was like shut down by all the organizers. Because it's like her, Madonna, and Nicki Minaj. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And she gives the middle finger and they're like, you have ruined 
the legacy of the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think it, it means so much to everyone. The, just the Super Bowl it. is such a weirdly hyper American thing. Like I got into a bit of a rabbit hole today looking at all of the past performances of the national anthem. Um, Demi Lovato did it this year. Uh, it was fine. Um, <laughs> it was good, fine. Good <laughs> they sort Sorry. of tried to do some like reharmonization in the in the. Um, in the instrumentation parts of it, but it didn't work with her vocals. So it was like they were trying to maybe do a jazz, but they didn't fully commit to doing a jazz and it was kind of disappointing. But um, but it is this hyper-American thing. And if, if you put a foot wrong, like it's a scandal. Yeah, of like career like ending. The, yeah, of levels. the highest proportions. So I think that that does go... A long way to kind of explain why this year was so safe. Um, there was nothing even close to a political statement. I know a lot of people have been talking about how they're two Latinx women, and it's the first time that two like Latinx like all the kids in cages. They're not a. No, I mean Puerto Rican flag, born in the USA stuff. No, very basic. I, well, but it, but it was just something. so. It was just so flat. It was just so. Boring. I just think that's down to the performers and them having to hit their marks, and that was basically well, it. But, they yeah, definitely no, have no, but the it's, like it's, it's down the to the NFL performers and, having to hit their marks, but the yeah. performers also decide what their marks are. Beyonce went yeah, out but, there and she hit all her marks, but she decided what. But they I just were. I feel like they like J Lo and Shakira just like they're fine entertainers. They don't really care. But about there's also yeah, the a bit element, beige. But there's also like, the whole ceiling and the umbrella of coming up next the Pepsi halftime. Like it's so like like just really horribly marketed and mm. how can you possibly elevate it i think it takes a great artist like a beyonce to stand above it i think j-lo and shakira was a safe booking yeah and i, I would agree that it feels almost anachronistic at this age where it's like you know j-lo has had this recent kind of resurgence due to the film she was in hustlers a lot of people thought she would get oscar nominated and she wasn't she was hashtag snubbed yeah. but ultimately when it comes to this it's like we can do a bit better. I mean, listen, you know, we're never going to get anything terribly outlandish, but it just felt kind of... Other than Janet Jackson's nipple. Which, of course, <laughs> created, created YouTube. We got YouTube out of it, man. Yeah, so it's fine. Yeah. yeah, I think, well, the Super Bowl, like the Grammys and like the Oscars, always has the capacity and the potential to be to kind of house a really interesting statement on the state of the world and this year we've had now both the grammys and the super bowl and nothing happened at either of them and so i'm just kind of like i'm disappointed music wise um i think it's been a poor showing so far on the big stages this year and we haven't had anything as interesting as like 2015 um happened like at all why do you think that is Um, I don't know. I I think maybe people are people are getting like a lot of the statements have already been made very, very well. Do you know? Um, I thought I just think that Shakira and JLo had they had a stage and they had potential to make a much more kind of succinct and powerful point than just playing a couple of bars of Born in the USA. And do you know? I think that's about what you'd expect from a Super Bowl halftime show in terms of political statements like I don't know though so I expect but more I, but it, I feel it, like it, it, was, people... it was changed like it yeah. was changed it's 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 now a blank canvas for you to actually communicate with both corporate America middle America like men in America like it's 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 this blank canvas where you can actually say something and do something but they didn't I think the NFL are probably I think that's 
who the corporation is, yeah. are a little bit more controlling than we think. So I yeah. think it is very much trying to keep it as cool, but as family friendly as they can. Yeah. Because it's also still a family friendly show. It's still very much like it's being broadcast. It's one of the biggest events in the world. Yeah. And they're just like, and we got to keep it, we got to keep it still a little like, you know. Yeah, we still got to keep it safe. Well, they don't want so. a repeat of the year when everybody found out that Beyonce was black. Like, we, we, we can't have that happen again. Like, so. So, yeah. What? Really, really what? Said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She came out and she was like, I'm black. And then everyone was like, what? Since when? Since when? Since when? But I have loved you. <laughs> but I listen to your music. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because, like, it's interesting to hear you say, especially as, you know, an ethnomusicologist who has an academic read on these things. I don't look to the Super Bowl for political statements outside of the occasional incendiary moment. I mean, mm. to me, maybe, I, maybe I'm maybe i just cynical and I'm like, you know, this is what it is. And listen, I don't begrudge Other it. Other than Adam Levine getting his nipples out. <laughs> I mean, I don't begrudge it. I mean, like, I, I, I am a professional fucking wrestling fan over here. I mm. don't, you know, spectacle is spectacle and pageantry is pageantry and that's fine. But... I wouldn't have anticipated any potential shock value moment, or maybe that's the wrong term, from Jayla and Shakira. It just yeah. felt very much like, cool, go get your merch, and this is happening, yeah. and they're going to do a good show. Your foam finger. They're entertainers, yeah. and they're so professional and doing it for so long. Like, they're brilliant. They're brilliant, like, you know, in terms of how they put themselves about. But I, I wouldn't look to either person for any kind of a substantial statement. Like, yeah, that's I would, probably fair. I would have been stunned. <laughs> Like the fact that there was so little chatter and during the week, even like I was like, oh, yeah, I must go back and watch the Super Bowl. Like my housemate was like, did you watch the Super Bowl? And I said, no. And she was like, but you're a music journalist. And I was like, I don't think there's any music journalism. Is <laughs> yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I disagree. I think there's, t- well, I mean, I got a thesis out of the Super Bowl. Like three, this year? Three years no, no, no. Like, three, yeah. like three years ago. Like it was. I, you're, you're biased. I wrote like 8,000 words that? about the Beyonce. Oh, nice. Um. <laughs> But yeah, uh, and I suppose the other thing that came out of the Super Bowl before we before we move on is that everybody was very surprised to learn that uh, 43 and 50 year old women can move about a bit and <laughs> dance and learn dance moves and be sexy. And yeah, it's like, like the, yeah, it's like the really? Logan's run of uh, mm. pop music for women. Like, <laughs> yeah. how dare Jennifer Lopez look young? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But also, sorry, or be, 50 is be sexy and attractive. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. We're um, sparkles. They looked, they looked great. They sung brilliantly. It's just a bit of a shame that it wasn't more interesting than that. Okay, so from one American institution to another. I we... watched Miss, Miss, Miss Americana today. That which is... is the new Taylor Swift uh, documentary on Netflix. Um, it was... Let me just play a clip from it. Oh, uh, sure. From the yeah, trailer, yeah. give you a bit of uh, insight into what's going on. Just gonna go have fun. No one out there that I know of in the audience actively hates me. Not get dead face. Ready to do this? Ready. Totally ready. Throughout my whole career, label executives would just say, a nice girl doesn't force their opinions on people. A nice girl smiles and waves and says thank you. I became the person everyone wanted me to be. I, I think that Taylor Swift, she is annoying. All of her model friends. She's too going through guys like a train. She's too skinny. Nobody physically saw me for a year. And that was what I thought they wanted. I had to deconstruct an entire belief system, toss it out, and reject it. 
Okay, that's the general pitch for the Miss Americana documentary is what is it about? It's about her behind the scenes in the last few years? Yeah, so I suppose it's a background to every news story that we've seen about Taylor Swift since around about the year 2006. So it goes right back. It goes, you're getting, it kind of opens with her in her house in Nashville, I think. It's very, you know, I'm Taylor. I, I'm in my denim dungarees. I'm chilling with, with my cat in my home. I'm a normal girl kind of thing. And she's reading through her diaries. She always wanted to be a star, that kind of thing. And it really does kind of hammer home how hardworking and how driven she was even from being a child. I don't think that's surprising though, given, yeah. given kind of what we know about her. There's a few kind of interesting things in it. Um, she does agree, she does um, address rather the Kanye West uh, I'm gonna let you finish moment which I still like they showed it in the in the documentary and I still to this day find it so difficult to actually watch it happening um but she addressed it in a way that she never really addressed it before um which I found kind of interesting and overall you just kind of get the sense that she is working hard to try to not seem or be so spoiled and bratty um do you think that comes across i i i because i it do does. feel like the general consensus is that people are like taylor swift has some really good music but she is just bratty and annoying yeah and like people are like oh could yeah, you be and could I've, you be dealing with her? and i've definitely had those thoughts about taylor especially around the reputation album I got I got really really annoyed with her for that album actually I thought it was I thought it was a really bad move but um but just kind of looking at her kind of in this stripped back stripped down way it it's not really a cynical piece the film it's it's it doesn't seem like it's trying to weave together this like narrative that she is like fully in control of we do see her being a little bit ratty with people sometimes we see her being a little bit like upset about certain things she opens up about having an eating disorder or having struggled with an eating disorder in the past which we've never heard from her and I think that was my main takeaway from from the film was that that was a a a very brave thing to do and b a very positive thing to do for her fans Um, and I was really impressed with the eloquence with which she kind of dealt with that subject but something that I couldn't let go and I don't think I'll ever forgive her for is Taylor Swift puts ice in her wine like she white, gets a glass yeah, of wine just, and she like, puts ice in it I could is see it, your is notes it white wine at least like white wine or red wine white wine white wine okay. she went but like what if you wanted extra crispy look there's <laughs> people in France <laughs> aren't standing on grapes in the hot sun all day to make to make Extra the, crispy the, the kind of wine that Taylor Swift is buying doesn't need ice in it she's not, don't add ice to that wine yeah she's That's not buying wine. the cheapo wine no, no it's not it's, like, it's a Pinot Grigio at least the, yeah, like at the very least like but yeah so I I think look If you're a Taylor Swift fan, you'll like it. Okay, that's a given. But is if you were, if you're not, would you watch it? Should we watch if it? If you're on the fence about her, I think you should watch it. If if you don't like her, I definitely think you'll get something out of it. You'll see is her there a little bit differently. Any music industry stuff about her label and woes it's, and all that kind of stuff? Is there any of that? Scott 
Scooter Braun. Scooter Braun. No, Scooter. no, no, nothing None about that. that. But there that was dirt. there was some conversations that she had with her uh, her dad and some people from her label around her coming out um, with her big political kind of the the big political stance that she made two years ago, where you know she had never before backed either Democrats or Republicans. It was always very up in the air what her politics was and it does document her really trying to fight against her label and against her dad in particular to actually make a statement um so that completely changed my mind around the whole ambiguity that she seemed to enjoy coming up to are you saying her dad didn't want her to make any didn't, kind of statement he didn't want her to make a statement it was for her own safety how involved is he in her life he seems pretty involved yeah yeah, yeah. Not, not as much as her mom her mom is like They're they're best friends, and her mom has a great Dane who's very cute. Um, Sorry, Norman. <laughs> there was there there was like the Katy Perry documentary a couple of years ago mm. that everyone was like, "This is really interesting. This is like a big insight into like being an artist and being a big pop star mm. in the world." Do you think it's of a similar level to that, or I think are they in the same field at all? Or the it's Gaga one is a good one as well. Probably, yeah. Like a, yeah, it's probably trying to do the same thing. It's definitely not as raw as the Gaga one, like. Yeah. Gaga shows all of herself in that like she like warts and all whereas Taylor even when she's you know oh I'm just a normal girl sitting at home with, with my cat she's still like the most beautiful woman in the world this is the know? thing with Taylor Swift I never feel like she's just a normal girl no, I no. just never get because that because she isn't like yeah like she like... was at well, I mean she was like 15 or 16 when she was the youngest ever artist to write and record a number one country single like that's so absolutely massive like she was 19 when the Kanye West thing happened I think we forget how young so she young. is like and she's she's the same age as me now or like a year older or something like that which is just so young you know <laughs> just, but it is to be dealing with that like I mean, that yeah. bigger like, like I'm an idiot now I wouldn't be able to do any of that like and she just hasn't she says she says something interesting in it which is that uh famous people stop maturing at the age that they get famous and well she she says that she kind of she thinks about that sometimes and that that might be an explanation as to why she finds it difficult to move past the idea that she needs applause and she needs the press to like her and and she's very forthcoming with the fact that she is looking for both attention and validation from other people And I think it is easy to kind of write that off and say, oh, well, you know, pop stars are attention seeking. Like They should be. Of course they should be. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's their job. It, it's their job. And also, aren't all of us looking for validation at from other same people time, all the time? Yeah, at the same time, though. I would be infinitely more interested in this thing if like a David Fincher or an Ava DuVernay or somebody was at the top of it. Because I'm just like, well, you know, this is a Netflix production. It's a hagiography because of where it comes from. You know, uh, we've talked about this a million times off mic. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Swift is like a fascinating character, but to me, she's robotic and I and I, I don't see a lot of humanity there. But at the same time, I totally concede and see what you're saying. Who could possibly imagine what that lifestyle is yeah. like? You know, and yeah. it's very much like it's literally unreal. But I do think that is something that people have accused her a lot of as being that sort of robotic super shiny she probably has to be though churned yeah. out well that's just what we blonde, see you know sort of thing yeah and it's but like do you get any alternative in that in the documentary about you, that? Do. you do you do I, yeah I, i i think you actually for the first time understand that she is quite 
quite political. Like she she gets really fucking mad about things. Took her time though. Let's be honest. <laughs> but but it but it it I'm shows. She, I'm not saying that she's under it, obligation to do so, but like maybe she is. I mean, like if someone in that but position. She, but that but that's it. She was her her label. Like she had to fight her label to in in order to come out and say, "Hey, please vote Democrat." In have uh, you listened to anybody listen to the Dolly Parton Dolly Parton's America? No, podcast. not yet. No, there's no. an episode on that which talks about Dolly's political leanings and how she basically kept it out of her entire career yeah. for like until even skirting around the a thing around the Oscars when she was out on stage and somebody said. Uh, one of her co-hosts one uh, said something very political, and she tried to distance herself. All those kind of yeah. things, and like she just knew she come from a country background. Yeah, it's country a, background, I mean, which would typically be, be aligned with, with your audience, like, a Republican, Republican audience. Yes. But I mean, look, look what happened to the Dixie Chicks when they uh, yeah. when when they came out and said about. Um, about George, George Bush, Bush yeah. where we're ashamed that he comes from. Yeah, he, uh, they were overnight gone. Yeah, gone. Like, yeah. For like people were burning their CDs in the street, burning their seat, melting their CDs. <laughs> Probably CDs. <laughs> I know this was back what? in the day, but uh, but I mean, like, and and Taylor obviously has to be aware of that. This is somebody's career on the line. Like, I I don't think like I definitely I like when artists and the artists that I like and admire are outspoken. It it absolutely did take her a while. I take that point. But I also don't think that we have ever had a pop star that is the Taylor Swift machine before. So she is kind of carving out what the the mold for that looks like. Uh, and, and I'm glad it's now open enough that people that follow in her path are going to hopefully also be outspoken. And I have one things. quick question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's to do with a shot into the trailer, which has... Uh, her wearing a, a backpack with her cat in it. Yes, best back, backpack ever. I what's was googling the, them today. The They're really expensive. Uh, it's for when she's traveling on her jet. Looks like it was sealed. <laughs> no, is it like a specific. It's like it, it's, it's a backpack for the cat. With a little hole like in the back. And then oh. the cat can look out. It has like a. Uh, how would you just like like a like a dome, yeah. like a glass dome, like it's going oh. into space? Yeah, yeah. Doesn't yeah. doesn't Nilo, what happened to the... Nilo has one of these? Like, Does he? No, way. one of his promotional photographs is one of his like dogs in the thing. Oh yeah. no way! I've never there seen this. Before. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. do yeah, people really not just see the classic Paris Hilton like? No, no, no. We've moved on. In the Who? Handbag. What? <laughs> I don't think my like, dog would sit in one of them. I don't think she'd sit. Oh no, but cats are cats are weird. They're chill. Yeah, that's true. My cat would. Showbiz cats will do what you tell them to do yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> her cat is very 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 cute like there's a bit in it where she's like playing piano and then the cat starts walking over the piano and i was like nah. yeah do you the own a cat here are upsetting me. Like, <laughs> your cat is a showbiz cat without question so. my my cat's a, a this bee. is known yeah she's a bee but yeah so that's that's miss americana uh it i think it is definitely worth a watch it's only it's 90 minutes like it's not gonna change your life but it's it's a decently what put together is it? Uh, Netflix. Big Netflix. It's on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. every day. Yeah, yeah. every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. Okay, we're going to move on to Songs of the Week this week. Uh, our first track is uh, brand new from Sharon Van Etten and it is called Beaten Down.
Okay, that's Sharon Van Etten. Song is called "Beaten Down." Brand new tune that came out today. Uh, it doesn't seem to tease an album or anything like that. It just seems to be a follow up and maybe a track that was left off. Uh, Remind me tomorrow. Um, produced also by John Congleton. I really like this because it has a different kind of kind of similar to some of the stuff she had on on the last album, but kind of feels a bit different in a way, in a nice way. Yeah, I think it's less straightforward yeah kind of. it's a bit woozy it is a bit woozy yeah there's definitely. a good video black and white video to it which yeah. helps as well yeah. some nice dancing in it um yeah i'm 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 slowly growing into liking sharon bonnet uh, it's, more and it's more. taken you a while well don't <laughs> like, i'd say i heard about sharon bonnet in like 2011 or yeah. something like that really something ridiculous like that yeah mm. and just Bit by bit, you're like, oh yeah, mm, yeah. Did you you liked the last album, didn't you? It took me a long time though. We didn't review it. I didn't no, know. no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it I came feel out like she's, a, she's similar to an Aldous Harding kind of vibe, where it's like it is the slow, sort yeah. of like this track's good. Yeah, that's all right. That's that's yeah. Cool. I think she's better I mean, than Aldous Harding. Oh, is that a controversial statement? <laughs> Aldous Harding, right, I, str- right? I struggle with. I struggle with Aldous Do Harding. Do you? Yeah, because I like yeah. s- some of the songs a lot, and then the rest of them, like I don't know about this. Mm. But she'll chip away at you. Maybe I this agree. Is the thing I agree. It took, like it took me a bit to get Aldous Harding. Um, I've tried. A good I think few it, times it, it took the, the barrel while. for me. Yeah, last to really year. Yeah. everything yeah. else. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I really like this uh, Sharon Bonnet track. Um, it's nice to have something at the start of the year again from her. Um, she released her one of the biggest tracks of the year last year in January, so it's nice to kick off the year again with, with that. Um, we, we don't need another album from her this year. No pressure, Sharon. No, I didn't expect um, Shannon. Shannon. Like, <laughs> chill, you know. If that's what you're going to do. Don't. Yeah, don't. Uh, no pressure, but it is It is a really great, great rather uh, woozy track. And I'm surprised it was left off the album, but I think it is tonally kind of separate enough that it makes sense yeah yeah um yeah. it does feel like a bit of a b-side and yeah. not in a negative way no no it's no, no, still no. quality it's really strong cool okay our next track is uh one of your faves from sufian stevens uh with his stepfather lowell brams who you may know from uh, the title of the record carrying lowell yes he's his actual stepdad and he's also the co-founder of the record label <laughs> I'm, I'm your stepdad uh, yes uh, and he's a co-founder of his record label as mad kitty now this isn't what exactly you'd expect from uh sufjan stevens normally so let's have a quick listen and then we'll explain Just letting that fade out there. That was Sufjan Stevens and Lowell Brahms. That track is called um, The Unlimited. Yes. The Unlimited, yeah. So, uh, this is out on March 27th. Uh, it appears to be a New Age instrumental album, is what it is. Yeah. So, uh, there's no vocals on this. Um, so, yeah, Brahms and um, Sufjan are related in a way yeah. they are stepdad and son and uh so they did an album before together do you did you hear that um i didn't no i only read about it today i wasn't aware that they'd kind of worked together creatively before yeah they had a collection of mu- instrumental music called music for insomnia uh, yeah. referencing sleep aids and disturbances so there you go i'm into that yeah i have listened to a, i think a sufjan stevens album before 
for sleep. Yeah. Really? That's And it has actually, because I suffer from insomnia and it has put me to sleep. <laughs> I'd so, say the, the avalanche would be a really ace. good one to kind of <laughs> listen to, to drift off. Um, yeah, I mean, look, obviously I adore Sufjan. Anything that we get from him is going to be great. This is obviously a little bit different. There's, ob- there's no vocals. There's not a whole lot that we can hook onto in terms of what the record is going to sound like. I think it's obvious that it's going to be this kind of expansive soundscape that is uh, yeah it's, it's probably going to be like a little bit of work but i think uh, us sufjan fans like a bit of work you um, like a bit of work yeah. i think so uh, yeah it, it also worth saying that it has uh, thomas bartlett doveman involved uh, dm stitt do you remember him um somebody from various bands that i don't recognize like half-handed cloud and dots will echo and then the guitarist in the shins Oh, um okay. and Steve Moore from Sono. So there you go. Yeah. Um so there's other people involved in this, but it all came from jam sessions. So yeah. I guess it's very new age. There's probably gonna be a lot less of kind of Sufjan in this than uh it's, yeah. it's it's a much more like collaborative project, but I have liked him as a collaborative artist in the past, and I think this is gonna be an interesting one. And I'll definitely go and listen to that music for Insomniacs. Cool. Uh, all right, our next track is from Lapsley. <laughs> <laughs> Chill out. Go sleep. Okay, Lapsley and the song is called Women. And there's a girl in the mirror and a woman on my shoulder. Back in a minute, she's five years older. I wonder what to say to her. I question where I want to be. It's not judging her. I tell her who I want to be. Okay, that's new track from Lapsley. That's all right, Nora. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, creep on those notes. <laughs> creep away. Um, have a creep dive on that one. Um, so Lapsley f- announced her long-awaited second album, which is called True Water, four years after her debut on XL Recordings. Um, I guess that album did pretty well for her. Also had um, that big, massive DJ Cole's remix um, of Operator, which everyone still plays. And mm-hmm. I, I have not got sick of. No. Um, and I really like what I'm hearing here. It's a self-empowering message um, uh, written to herself. Kind of, a, She said she was 20 when she wrote it. Uh, it's written hypothetically from a place in the future that was much more positive. It's about having trust in the passage of time and not knowing what to do. Right now, but knowing that at some point you will know. Uh, I really like the song. It's a bit more, um, it's a bit more focused than her, her normal stuff. It's her, it's usually more minimal and less. Yeah, it's bo- a bit more. I want to say rambling in the nicest possible way. You know, sure. her music is usually rambling or like a lot of space in it. This is a bit more. This kind of reminds me a bit like Empress of almost. You know, I I actually thought a similar thing. Um, it's definitely got a bit more life in it and again i don't mean that to like dismiss her other music but i I do think that it's a lot more kind of pop focused there's a really strong hook in it it sounds kind of really bright and breezy and pleasant to listen to um and 
Yeah, I, I, I think it's a it's a total banger. Norma? It's a nice jam. It's what a nice jam. Dave's about to crack a can. <laughs> hold on, hold on. There we go. <laughs> Ice cold. <laughs> yeah, I am because uh, <laughs> no, come on, guys, we're dancing around this. This isn't very good at all. Like it's not. It's, 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 it's grand. It's straight in the middle. Has pop and like yeah, there, it's like, a good song. There was there, it's not nothing good, wrong. It, it's totally fine. It's not great. Like it's, I like it. I, like I appreciate. It. <laughs> listen, I, I I adore this show. I appreciate that a lot of it. I can't better. wait to get onto original root. <laughs> <laughs> don't, 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 don't don't spoil it. Yeah, the the real the real song of the week is coming. He's but like, wearing his checkered <laughs> vans today. I actually am wearing checkered vans. There was some songs in contention, and there was like Austria, there was Kasia, now there's this, and like I, I was listening to all three of them, and I was like, wow, I, I find it hard to distinguish, and because I just feel like maybe pop music has gotten a little bit like generic in the last kind of year weeks or so. It, this is totally fine, but it ticks boxes and it doesn't I, really go I, anywhere. I, I agree. It absolutely ticks boxes and it's fine. We can do it, better. But it doesn't make it... It was a total well, link I, for track we, we, didn't, we didn't write the song. No, mm. but we are critiquing the song. It's a bit it's like, not great. It's like, like... It's not It's a bit... I think bleh. in the context of an album, it'll sound pretty good and uh, yeah, I'm interested to see where it goes. So, I, uh, I think it's a boppy jam. I, if it's I would, like I would bookended add it, by something, by yeah. other things. I would add it to a playlist. I wouldn't buy an album off the back of it. Okay. It felt unfinished to me. Fair. It just felt very Critique. like in the middle and you know, I was just like, eh, yeah, I can't wait yeah, that's for fair it to enough. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. You're allowed to have that. I am. Yeah. Good. <laughs> uh, yeah, Is he though? <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll discuss well, this later. Then. Yeah. Well, I'm interested to hear the album because I was expecting just like minimal kind of icy pop music mm-hmm. and, and I didn't get that. So that was, I was interested by. Um, our last track um, is from, is Dave Choice actually. So uh, I'm going to play a bit of it. It is from the original Rude Boys, they're back. Did you know? Did you know? I, I knew. Let's find out. Uh, this is a song called Hypocrite. Okay, Dave Hanratty, uh, please explain if anybody doesn't know who the original Rude Boys are and where they came from and why they're back. Powerful. Um, they originated in the early 10s, I want to say. Um, I used to work for Hot Press Magazine, as I've mentioned a lot on my own show, and it's very much like a harrowing memory for me, and the original Rude Boys would be one of the reasons why. They were kind of like a, a strange, I guess, cult sensation that became a thing briefly, their press release was very much big on them becoming, you know, they were at a house party and some guy took out a banjo and some guy started rapping. And next thing you knew, they were the original Rude Boys. And all of a sudden, like, they got like a major label deal, an Irish major label deal, and they were on festivals and so on. And it became a bit of a thing, but it never really hit that extra apex. And it was very kind of in the middle irish kind of hip-hop slash pop i suppose that didn't quite know what it was um they eventually kind of broke up i remember uh very distinctly like their final ever show which was i think you know in the mid 10s was a matinee show like what a way to say goodbye you know like like this is how it is 
and they were just kind of this weird like footnote, this weird kind of bump in the road when it comes to Irish music. And I remember being like, oh, it, it would be really interesting to see w- it, what they would be like now when in the last two or three years in Ireland, we've had this terrific revolution when it comes to rap and hip hop in Ireland and a lot of personalities coming to the fore, regardless of where they're from, regardless of gender or appearance or anything, all doing really interesting things. What would it be like if the original Rude Boys were amongst this mix? Well, I guess <laughs> the original Rude Boys were like, that's an interesting argument, Dave. Let's do it. <laughs> and so that was the catalyst and behind back, Like, no one asked happened. for it. No one really wants it. Uh, they put up a obnoxious yellow-based, uh, yellow-backgrounded kind of Instagram post with their We're Back Lads kind of announcement, missive, and then on Sunday... Who releases a song on a Sunday? Uh, they put this out, Jesus. and I was very much like, okay, cool. Irish music is saved. Uh, listen, I mean, I, again, you know, maybe it's it's an outlier for me to bring in a song that isn't good, <laughs> but that's what I've done. And Because I do feel like it is actually worth discussing, because like they did have their moment, and they were on the cusp. They, and they've sold okay. out the Olympia. So I, I, oh, press cover so I, that was my next question. I was like, I was never sure how big they'd got other than like a show in the Academy. I don't remember a gig in the Olympia, but I wasn't paying attention to them at the time. I may and then they were called the two. Then they were called ORB on their own yeah. for a while. And then I feel like some they... UK dance act said, that's our name, you can't have it. Yeah. I feel like they were a thing for a while. And then there's now, there are bands in this... T- day and age like in 2020 that are doing what they would be doing now much better Mm. so there's no real point (laughs) because there's people of a certain age who are like who are much more involved in other bands who are investing a lot more time and energy and like buying the tickets to other bands than the original Rude Boys who aren't going like, oh, remember that band back in that day and they did this thing and that was really cool. We're like, we've moved on a bit from that. The Irish music scene, I think... It just re- sounds a bit old. Regardless of genre, has become a lot tighter. And I think you kind of can't just get by. You kind of just can't get by on cocky charm mm. and yeah. whatever well, it is. Let's picture this. <laughs> I mean, conversation for another day. Yeah. Like, but, but let's do it. I mean, have you I, seen them live? Picture this. Yeah, yeah. five times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Once or what? twice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I had some great friends along the way. Aww, but like, you. here's the thing. I, the original Real Boys. Like, he didn't. Uh, don't get me wrong. It, it's it's very easy to scoff at the band, and you know I don't think that they have much worth. But it is fascinating to me that in 2020 they've decided let's get amongst this. Because I don't find it fascinating. Okay. I am un- I am shoot me down. So yeah, why why then? I'm just so unsurprised that they've come back. Of course they're going to come back. If if you have like even a if if you have like like you said seen the absolute explosion of Irish rap and hip hop in the past couple of years there is no way in hell you're going to be sitting at home on your hands going, oh, but we, we never but like, that ages ago. But there's a, there's you also know? that thing of like, do they think that they can take on I, the other people I that are in the industry right now? In, that they can have, like, but who are we they can take about? on like, who's, who's Mango Mathman, that they could compete with that. No, but I, like, maybe, maybe they're not trying to, but maybe they're just like, I want to get in on a little piece of this pie. I'm not saying this song is good. I'm not saying I ever really had a whole lot of interest in, in the band. 
But I am saying that while I don't believe it's a cynical move, I do believe that it's a move that if I was in their position, I'd absolutely make it. I'd be like, oh, yeah, like yeah. I think it, I'm thinking of getting the old band now. back together. Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, they, they they were rapping when there wasn't really an appetite for Irish Irish rap, you know, beyond kind of parody people and the odd outlier who who kind of was successful. Whereas now it's like people are buying Irish rap music. Why why not get in on it? I did not just like the. Chase and Abby of 10 years ago. Yes, that's perfect. And like, <laughs> like scathing. No, no, no. no but that, I'm talking about peers. I'm I mean, trying to figure out like what is their equivalent. That's what their yeah. equivalent yeah. is. But Chase and Abby also Olympia. didn't really like they they had their moment in the sun and didn't really take off for them. And hey, it's not over yet. What do you, what do they think <laughs> they are though? What do the original Rude Boys think? I don't know. Who you'd do have they to think ask them, are I their guess, they? Well, they're the, like they're, they're they're the original rude men now. We like we need to. And the rude boys became rude men in the sand. I mean, yeah. like ultimately, the manga mathman comparison is interesting because like manga mathman are clearly streets ahead of them in terms of what they're doing. Absolutely, I guess it's just like it. in the case of if we're talking about Irish hip hop, yeah. who's at they, the top of their but game? They will have impressionable fans. Let's say they announce a gig, which I assume they will do. And it could be, once again, a glorious return to the Academy that we all desperately want. And we'll all go to. Oh, yeah. yeah. They did play the Olympia in 2013. Fucking knew it, man. (laughs) (laughs) For a second there, I was like, oh, no, what if I've totally got this wrong? (laughs) But I assume we're all going to be hanging over the balcony, uh, you know, waving our our red cups in the air to whatever their big song was. They're reusable now, though. They're not not plastic anymore. (laughs) Here's Rude Boys. Oh, yeah. Here's Rude Boys are back. And they are climate conscious. I hope so. But no. <laughs> no like, compostable. But they're in this fascinating kind of like world Keep where cups does, any, yeah. does, does anyone care? Can they make a go of it? I don't necessarily think so. No, absolutely they can't. No, look, no. look, let's just be brutally honest here. But they it's were fine. they're 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 dreadful and, and and they've been dreadful for forever. But good, but you know what? Good on them. But this I'm song with it. which we haven't this, actually talked oh, sorry, about. Sorry, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I, I will say I don't dislike the chorus of this song. It's a bit plan B. That's fine. It's fine. Whatever happened to B. him? It's fine. We actually, <laughs> what did I say? It sounded kind of like the script. Kind of like yeah, the script. Yeah, which I misheard. As, fancy, I, I misheard you saying the script as the streets, and I was like, well, that is quite <laughs> the comparison, Norma. The I can't streets. wait to hear that. But yeah, the, yeah. The st- it's more that like, you know, like the song starts off and the drums come in straight out of a Guy Ritchie film from 2000, and then you get a very generic Irish rap, and then you get the, oh, I'm so heartbroken kind of very badly produced chorus. Mm. And then it's like, cool you know this is painfully generic but i can see it being played on fucking spin you know like it's yeah prompt. i think these lads are probably just doing it for themselves to come back to reunion like getting together like being a lot of bands that do that who come back are just like just want to hang are out they still with the label? I, I think there no, there is so, no. an interesting thing though with bands where it's like is it out of an artistic need that you wanted to come back or whether you were just like now is the time so we should just throw something out there because we're like yeah, there's things are happening right now, and there's stuff I, happening in the I, industry. I, I think it's that, and I and like I said, I do, I don't think it's a kind of it's driven necessarily by some Art kind of or just cynical. Creative. Well, no, I, I I don't I don't think it's it's a cash grab because they're not really gonna expect to make any money from this, right? But like. I, I, I think well not with that attitude Andrea <laughs> <laughs> well like they've they've seen an opportunity here and and they're taking it and I you know more power to them doesn't mean it's a great song but 
more power to them. I don't know. I have a little soft spot for it's for that kind of music who, that just for, exists in its own weird world. But it's but it's of, yeah. but it's artists it's fans, artists that were doing the thing before the thing was a thing, and they just missed out on it. The thrills were the same. Yeah, but now it's they're just, like, oh, is it like, cool? Uh, yeah. So should we bring it back? And yeah, you're like, no, and it's like, no, no, you should. No. I feel like the original Rude Boys are go more, back to your mom. Are more like you know, like you'd see them on the same bill as versatile than you are to see them on the same bill as say you know god knows or whatever like they're yeah, not 100 yeah, they're not yeah. like they're, they're not irish yeah. rap and hip-hop would you have them on the podcast is the question oh yeah i would they seem nice like <laughs> she clutches her can like, 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 oh. like i will say we're I, just like nice people i, have interesting I did interview them before yeah when it was all kicking off back in the old hot press days and they were very lovely because they were very much like, can you believe that this is happening? It was that yeah. oxygen, if you, one of the ah. last years. Wow. And they were very much like, look around, man. Like, what are we doing on the Vodafone stage or whatever? It's crazy. However, you know, it may have gone to their head. So it'd be oh, in- right, very interesting okay. to see where they're at now. What mm. was their peak? Uh, 2012? I mean, like, they like have, was there a thing Well, 2013 like... is when they played the Olympia, so that's... Okay. Well, you're not there. And then they sort of <laughs> sizzled out... <laughs> They got like a major label attention and then they never really kind of took off and they went through okay. that kind of name identity confusion situation and then it was done. It was kind of a quiet death. Just one uh, note from their Wikipedia page. quiet death. Oh, uh, this is a bit weird. I, I don't know who put this in. In 2014, a set of the band's groupies set up an honorary professional punting splinter group known as the original Shrewd Boys. Ooh. The group is led by the shrewd father, Big Time P. Brown, also known as the orchestrator. The group have laid claim to many nor- notorious Irish racing gambles and have an estimated net worth of 2.35 million. Citation, also, citation needed. They also pulled off the biggest jewel heist. <laughs> right. That is incredible. <laughs> they also know where Shergar went. <laughs> <laughs> they have them. <laughs> they have Shergar. I guess it's coded in the new single. It tells you where. <laughs> I guess, it spells it out just the first I, I guess the, the first last, letter from the each last thing line. I'll say on this is because you know, I because I did bring the song to the table and also Niall was your initial reaction <laughs> <laughs> you're like no <laughs> did you say no <laughs> and I was like let me be who I am <laughs> on your show is how violently dated the song sounds and mm, fair play yeah. to them for having no nuance or cop on whatsoever <laughs> and just dropping this in like the start of 2020 yeah. and thinking I love for it. five seconds they can possibly get away with it yeah but hey they got 10 minutes on this show <laughs> yeah well let's see yeah. this is more this is they got more no they got a sugar comparison <laughs> i say more power to them keep releasing music lads keep up the music it might go somewhere. Keep up the music. Keep Love, up the music. Be good to like like eat your greens. You be good to music? your mom. Um, keep up the keep music. Up the music. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I think we're gonna keep reasons to be cheerful till after this album review, right? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, let's do the album first. Um, we're too happy. <laughs> we're already far, elated. Far we're already far too elated. Um, our album of the week is from Dan Deacon. It is called Mystic Familiar. First album in five years. Here's a taste of one of the tracks from it called Sat by a tree.
That is Dan Deacon. Song is called, is called Sat by a Tree. His first album in five years came out last Friday, which he actually launched in Dublin at his live show in the Grand Social. Um, and he has a long history with uh, Dublin um, over the years. He's done lots of gigs here. I've been to three of them back in the day. Dave, you were at last Friday's gig in the Grand Social or some of it. Some of it, yeah. It was my first ever, actually. And he has a reputation for having particularly outlandish shows. And, it, yeah, it got off to a weird kind of... He does a lot of crowd participation. He does. And interaction. And, uh, you know, I, I was up at half five that day, and I was like, this is going to be amazing. Um, I was supposed to interview him, and unfortunately he cancelled at the last minute, which, totally understandable. I, I was speaking to his tour manager, and he was like, look, he's having serious technical difficulties, which I understand is actually not uncommon, because mm. the show is so heavy-duty. You know, it's very... It's just him. And he's yeah. doing everything. And he's leaving It's very aggressive. Like, it's very... Like, it, I, I don't... I'm never one for, like, leaving gigs and being like, oh, I wish I had, I had earplugs. You know, it's a, that's like a Mogwai in my Billy Valentine situation. But his show was really fucking loud. I was like, Jesus Christ. And, you know, the interview got cancelled. And I was like, look, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It happens. Have a great show. I'll, I'll see you up there, man. And I went up and... On the stage. <laughs> <laughs> he did He did a bit of the improvised Upstairs dance. in the venue. Presumably. Yeah, I'm going to be like, you know, spinning a hula hoop or something. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I've, I've heard so much about Dan Deacon in terms of a live experience as being this really interesting cult thing. And it definitely was, but it didn't quite work for me. I, I found the crowd to be very overbearing and quite douchey, if I'm honest with you. Um, I had to move like like, like at the very what start. What kind of douchey talking? Or yeah, there was that at the start. So I was at the back of the room, which of course you near the bar, like, not where you want to be. But also it was very like kind of a walled off situation where you couldn't really move forward. And there was like some bloke on a date and he was very much like, I mean, for me, like Fleet Foxes like really came into their own. And, and I was just like, really? Like, <laughs> Fleet I was, Foxes? I was like, yeah, of all the references. He's like, like clearly <laughs> trying to impress. Like but whoever, she was like, like she was into yes. it. She was fucking oh. into it, and I was like, the children you're going to have are going to be so mediocre. I mean, oh. like, fair play. <laughs> but I was like, I was like, the beer garden's like literally like two paces behind you. Can you not just go there? So eventually, like, I was there with a friend of mine, and like we we moved forward eventually, and found our spot but before this of course Dan Deacon was like everyone make a circle and this person's going to be this person and this person's going to be this person and he had some big long Tweety Bird related rant that didn't quite work he seemed nervous but it's probably part of the show and it was what it was eventually we got forward and at one stage he, he was like okay I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to divide half the room now and the song that you just played, which, by the way, I, I absolutely adore. I love that song so much. And we'll, I'm sure we're going to speak in a few minutes about precisely how his music makes you feel, because it really does. But he divided half the room and he's like, everyone get down on one knee, which can I just say, <laughs> I'm too old. <laughs> you know, like, I was like, going to say, you're do not. Do you want to state your age? <laughs> I'm 35 years of age. You're not you get down on one knee. I got down on one knee. And it was awful because it was like wooden floor and like everyone was kind of like... Did you go to a Slipknot gig recently? I didn't get down on one fucking knee. I was sitting in a nice comfortable <laughs> seat. Don't they divide the room and then... But yeah, but I was... But, but I was That's in called the, a wall of death. I was... Thank, <laughs> you. Thank you. I was Our up, metal correspondent. Slightly. Slightly different I was to a Dan Deacon I was in the, the cosy corporate seats. But at Dan Deacon, you, uh, it's every man for himself, I suppose. And, and, uh, <laughs> and, and it was very, very strange. But like he had this thing where he was like, someone has to come out from each side of the room and address the side of the room that it came out from and do a dance and you have to replicate the dance oh this is it so is. my thing i would yeah. love but have, you, have you experienced no, this before i've, ne I've never so i went i went to a dan deacon dig 
gig wow uh dan deacon gig dan deacon dig is a commodore 64 game from back <laughs> in, in, the uh, in the roshin dove and he did that thing where he was like i'm gonna split up the crowd into halves and someone's gonna come out you do a dance move someone steps in and like you pass it off to, onto yeah. someone else they step in they do the dance move they do a new dance move and it was like a little bit stressful Oh, I, I'd imagine so. Like, it was like, there were people there who were like, oh, I thought I was into this, but I'm actually oh, kind of not. they were picked or because they were like, the anxiety they were of being picked, picked? But also people who thought that they were like, yes, I'm up for this. And they'd start to do something and they'd be like, oh God, I'm, uh, I've actually made something kind of difficult for someone to replicate. But and I, then other I, people I, who were like, actually okay, though, right? didn't like... want to be picked. And then there was a point where I was leaning back against the bar and I was like, oh, I actually... I'm happy out to just watch. A lot this of people unfold. did that, even from the very, very start. I saw a lot of people leaving as they would. It, it's funny, Andrea, that you mentioned like a metal gig because like it almost felt that way. You could see people like leaving, feeling kind of uncomfortable. And this isn't a slight on him at all. It's just kind of like people who may 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 have not have known what they were in for. Sure. And yeah. it's kind of like a comedy gig. Almost, it is. It's very interactive. Like, it's very oh, different. I didn't realize that would be this thing. There was a hilarious moment where at one stage he goes, "Can I get the house lights up?" And there was uh, two women behind the bar serving everyone, and one of them went. Please don't. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> very Irish, like very yeah. like kind of cool. And also, it was the, fir- it was the first yeah. night of the tour. It was being filmed. You know, it was a, yeah. it was a whole production. But like. As it went on, uh, I found myself in this position where I was like in between two sides of a crowd. One of whom were completely embracing the chaos, and another p- people who were trying to like you know kind of like nudge me and were very unhappy. And I was just, I'm always the magnet at a gig. You uh, are. I've been to. It was. I'd say like really upsetting. We, we, we've been to about twenty gigs together. Wow. Easily. <laughs> I, I'd, we've been to a lot of gigs together, Counted. and we when when I am with you, we always have to move around and find spots. Somebody you, was elbowing me like particularly why harshly. Why do they hate you? And I don't know. And, <laughs> I, I don't and know. I was like, am I imagining this? And then eventually, I think you're, you're probably the same height as a lot of assholes. I'm very average. And then it's just <laughs> like asshole height. It's like oh well, like, I'm gonna about stand here. Five ten. I'm yeah. five nine, aka five, asshole height. Asshole height. Because like <laughs> so, it's like yeah, no, you're not not tall enough to get in people's way. You're not tall enough to stand back. I'm like with the I'm like cute gig height. Where I'm like, Blue. oh, can you're I go on your nothing. shoulders? But I was, but I was the conduit for like these two, like these warring nations at the Dan Deacon gig, and I was like, I one stage I felt this elbow like lodging into me, and I was like, I'm sure it's just contextual, and but then it was hanging around, and I was like, this feels kind of weird, and then this person like tapped me on the shoulder and was like, can you can you move? And I was like, I literally can't. I'm sorry. And then it was the situation where I was like, I heard her say to her boyfriend, "Don't say anything," and I was like, Oh my god! Oh my god! I had that. This is a complete aside, but I had a similar experience at the Julia Jacqueline gig before I came back to the back of the room. Oh, yeah, with you. Yeah. Was she also doing interpreted performative dance? <laughs> she was. In, she was in Wheelands, and these two. Sorry, this is a complete aside, but these, but, but these two girls were standing behind me, and one of them turned to the other and was like, "I'm just going to say something to her." And I was like, "Are they talking about me?" And then they like tapped me, and they were like would you mind if we stood in front of you because we're a lot smaller than you or like or no i'm like five seven five seven and a half like i'd only be given out to lads like like like, there was tall tall people around me i was in the like the kind of the middle of the crowd i was just i had my spot for a while but they said it to me as if i was like 
as if I'd like barged in and stood straight in front of them on purpose. But uh, yeah. that is your move that, at gigs, that, though. That, that was, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very aggressive. Twenty times. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, but just, just when she punched a guy that time. But just when you said like the, you hear people talk about you behind. But you, see, the problem like, oh, when that happens, the problem with that is that you immediately the immersion is broken, and oh, you're yeah. like, I can't focus on what's on the stage. Sorry, to my right, not my front, because Dan Deacon has literally divided us down the room. Ah. And I was like, trying very like you know politely to be like, hey, listen, I, I really can't control the situation. I do apologize. Yeah. And they eventually moved on, thank God, because I was like, oh, am I going to get into a fucking scrap? Is it At go- a Dan Deacon game. Is it going to happen? Yeah. The interview got cancelled. <laughs> am I going to get into a fight? I was like, how do you explain this to like a, a, the, the, a local guard? Well, sure. listen, mate, <laughs> Electronica Sensation Dan Deacon came over tonight and I thought I was going to interview him, but it turns out I ended up slugging a guy. <laughs> so, well, I think, I, I think with... Um, just to just to go back to what we were talking about with the kind of audience participation idea of of those kind of gigs. Like I said, have haven't been to a Dan Deacon gig, but I was kind of looking online to see what I've, the I've vibe was. I've been to was. three of them. Yeah, yeah. There's a and lot like of, I like a lot of it. I I love kind of audience participation performance theater. Whenever I've been involved in it, I've been like really, I I find myself able to give myself over to it. But you can't actually negate the part of yourself that is deeply uncomfortable with doing silly things in public and i think that there's there's something in the 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 fact that he does that in in music there isn't a lot of music artists that do that kind of thing because i think in in theater anyway it's it's supposed to get to that part it's like well why are you embarrassed by coming out and doing a silly dance like why is it that you're uncomfortable with participating with the person that you've come to see and i think it it challenges a lot of that and I I'm really sad that I missed like in a weird therapeutic a, kind well of yeah way. well n- not even in a therapeutic way but just kind of it 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 causes you to kind of ask questions about like why is it that I'm ashamed of doing something a little bit silly like and why what why aren't we able to do this and I've never really had that in like a in like a musical kind of place. The in closest con- I've had is yeah. like going to gigs that are like, you know, dress up. In something. contrast to that though, I guess like just to, before we move on to the album, which obviously that's what we're primarily here going to discuss. I mean, like what I will say is, first of all, in contrast to that, the first person from our side of the row who was the conduit for like leading us in the dance moves because mm. they weren't plants. Like they, these were like yeah. people in yeah. the audience. Yeah, you can genuine. watch the stream first yeah. the stream back mm. on Facebook um, actually. The person who, who who was on our side of the room, I don't know who she is, but like ultimately it was a, a, a woman with like green hair and face paint. And I will say you couldn't like have paid somebody to do this better. Right. She was amazing. Like I was like, she is a star. She looks charismatic as fuck and is nailing this and totally is embracing this and was just like, look like a professional. I was like, look like a professional performer. And I was just like, wow, wish I was her. She's got this down. Yeah. The other part of what I will say to wrap up is I, I left early and like it's not like a, a, a particular critique on Dan Deacon or whatever or the venue, although the venue didn't seem kind of right for him. Um, It just didn't work for me in terms of what it was. And I did feel quite overwhelmed. And eventually I was like, I'm just going to bail before like, it was, you know, like an hour in. I was like, I'm, I'm kind of out. You know, it's okay. fine. It was what it was. I, I do enjoy what he is. I, I'd rather see him in a more kind of interesting circumstances than that one because it wasn't just didn't quite work for me okay 
Did he do the dance tunnel or the human tunnel thing? I had already gone. Okay, probably not. Um, in in, 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 in Andrew's, I remember, I distinctly remember, one of the like things I remember most about a Dan Deacon gig, and, and any gig, it was a very unique experience. So he did a human tunnel that went outside Andrew's Lane Theatre, mm-hmm. all the way around by um, the back of Andrew's Lane Theatre, and back around again. I remember seeing pictures again, of that in the Metro. Um, which was, live. you know, I, yeah. if I was on the door and doing tickets, I would have been, been like, well, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah. But it was it was really good. And uh, it certainly, I thought about going on Friday and I was like, oh, I've been to three of them before. I've been to a lot of shows from Dan Deacon, maybe more. He played the picnic one year as well. But, mm. So I was like content. I was going to DJ. I was content to watch it at home. So I was like, I watched a bit of the stream, which was interesting enough like itself. Like good crack. Oh yeah, totally, totally. Like you couldn't, you couldn't fault him on just being like putting on a good show, getting yeah. people involved. And like, I would say for anyone who feels uncomfortable with doing audience participation he definitely does try to make you feel comfortable and feel like it's a safe space to do those kind of things mm. yeah like it, he, he's inherently asking you to do something very silly mm. <laughs> that you're not maybe out of your comfort zone so that alone is like obviously a big ask for a lot of people and that's fine but i think a lot of people probably i kind of expect a lot of people to go to that gig having been to the gigs before was there an older crowd present for that i think so yeah it, it, I, some mix of like i guess like mid 20s late 20s early 30s um it didn't seem yeah there there was definitely people there who were very clearly super fans and there was definitely first timers myself included and it seemed a strange mix i saw a lot of walkouts not again like this wasn't a comedian bombing on stage this was just kind of like it's a bit intense. Sure. Yeah. I don't, yeah, maybe the venue wasn't quite big enough. For Didn't seem right. Yeah. We we were talking about this, about how, like, upstairs in Grand Social is quite, like, there's a sp- specific shape to it. Yeah. That maybe doesn't suit what he tries to do. It feels like he needs gigs. a wide berth. Yeah. Wider. Yeah. He, he needs like, maybe a Whelan's or something. Yeah, yeah. to do the sort of split the crowd, everyone's mm. going to do a little dance move kind of thing. But what is the album like? Yeah, so um, Dave, can I ask you then, um, having, you were a fan of Dan Deacon before. Still am. Yes, but I mean, <laughs> before this album came out. So sure, you yeah. were familiar with all his work, his recorded work. Yeah, absolutely, so yeah. this is his fifth album, Mystic Familiar. How do you find uh, this shakes out after listening to it now for last week? I had a strange kind of post-gig experience where in a weird, almost shameful way, I found it hard to return to the album having walked out of his gig. Like I like I had this kind of weird thing of like, that didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. And I, I was kind of riding on it being particularly great. Hmm. I, I was like, this is going to be amazing. And then it wasn't. And thus listening to the album in the immediate aftermath felt kind of anxiety ridden almost all of a sudden. And I'm really, really glad to say that, like, as of, like, the last two days, that has ebbed away. And, in fact, the reason I love Dan Deacon has come back to the fore because Dan Deacon, I find extremely life-affirming. I find his music to be beautiful, colourful, euphoric. Um, it gives you a reason to get out of bed in the morning at its best. And so it was really, really, I was really, really glad that I was able to shake that off because mm. I was scared that I wasn't going to. And I was actually kind of upset because I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, it's one thing for the interview to get cancelled. Circumstances, totally fair. And I, I have no problem with that. Um, and then the gig didn't go so great. So I was like, oh, Jesus. I was like, I was so hyped. I was so like hyped for this album. I, mm. I really want to have a relationship with this album that isn't tainted. Yeah. And thankfully, I think the album strengths over supersede that. Um, 
I do think that with Dan Deacon, it's a strange thing because if you've never heard him before, I mean, it's it, it's 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 kitchen sink electronica. It's him throwing everything at you. It's so ostentatious, and it's you know, it's it's a mixture. I, I couldn't, you know, I think you're probably better suited, Niall, to be able to discuss the minutiae of this kind of dance music, but like. Because you're more used to club settings than I, I don't am. really think this is uh, this is full on dance music though. Okay, that's it's kind of it's more electro acoustic kind of um, electronic a lot of music folk in there. I think like, there's a lot of folk and there is actually a lot of ethno as well thrown in there. There's a lot of world music influence in in this record. I guess context really for this, yeah, in. context for this is that he's been uh, it's the first time in five years he's been making a lot of scores for films as well. So that that's probably he's made eight, eight films, eight not just a few, years. eight. Um, it's a less manic album than his previous work. I would say it it uh, informed by a daily meditation practice and the use of Brian Eno's oblique strategies cards yeah. as a technique or tool uh, employed in order to re- record and make the album. Um, there is a good making of video that I kind of watched and I think you watched it as well, right? Um, Very interesting. In his house and how he made it and all that kind of stuff um, when he talks about trees yeah, <laughs> being influences. And he, he talks as well about the idea of um, the... The album title uh, Mystic Familiars and the idea that um, these these beings or these creatures much like a, a witch's cat would be somebody's familiar and how throughout the album he explores these conversations that he's having with I guess the natural world and beyond what we kind of think about as being the natural world like maybe a, a bit of kind of like cosmic yeah it feels very existential almost philosophical yeah. in his uh, outlook the way he's coming from yeah where some I, of his other stuff is like uh city nursery rhyme songs sure, about cats yeah. and dogs but but i find a, a lot of what i love about this album is that there is so much and this it it feels like a, an oxymoron and i think maybe i love that too but there's so much introspection in how he is looking out in the world it's like he's there's There's not a whole, there's there's a conversation happening there, but in in framing these things like trees and and the natural world around him as being his familiar, he's just he's kind of like linking himself to the outside world, and thus he doesn't sound or feel or evoke anything in kind of isolation. Um, it's it's an album that is definitely it it. <laughs> It sounds kind. Does that make sense? It's just it sounds like it has kindness at its heart in in the way it approaches everything, um, especially kind of. But I think that's his mo anyway. That's yeah, where he and come he's from. he's a very charming. Chap. You know, he's, he he isn't like I said. He's not versed to writing songs that sound like nursery rhymes, and it's very innocent. And mm. um, but there's a bit of a deeper aspect to this one. Yeah, you know, he's trying anyway. Um, I don't know if he quite get there lyrically and his voice can be a bit thin sometimes. And I think um, obviously there's lots of the cartoon and chipmunk noises that he likes to do and employ mm. and vocoders and stuff like that. There's still a fair bit of that. But, but I, I that know what you mean. He's, he's embracing that kind of Jungian idea of why we stop playing when we, you know, become self-aware as teenagers or whatever it is like why why is it that we need to stop I this would, idea of play you know I would say if you were looking at Dan Deacon his live shows are the thing to go for yeah, yeah. 
that like they really do encapsulate his spirit and the idea of who he is and that playfulness. Yeah. And that idea of being like letting go of being like, oh, I'm kind of an uptight, strict adult who doesn't do these kind of things into like, I'm just messing around and doing silly yeah. dance moves yeah. in the middle of a, like a big dance floor, but it's mm. okay because everyone else is here. And there's a ton support. of kind of philosophical worth in, in approaching life and music and art and creativity in, in that way that you don't necessarily need to take serious topics seriously, or you don't need to present serious topics seriously that he is looking at self-care. He is looking at, um his relationship with himself and with the world but he's doing it in a way that evokes and promotes whimsy and i think that that's such a refreshing and yeah i just i always i when i was listening to this album i just kept circling back to the word and the idea of kindness um which whimsy is really, a really nice like yeah he well, yeah he, he's kind well. of yeah it is it's it's it's, it's playful, hard to get away with that though isn't it like to mm. be whimsical in music I, like I think it is like i mean and maybe for a lot of people he doesn't yeah you know? i mean it's it's kind of like if if you took if the polyphonic spree didn't take themselves as seriously as they do <laughs> or like if Yancy, who's the lead singer of Sigur Ross, he his his kind of um solo stuff that he does is does have that kind of like galloping playfulness in it where it's like we we're trying to get 50 ideas in here at once and why the fuck not? Yeah, put it in because this is something that we felt at the time, so why shouldn't it be in there? There's an immediacy to that that I really uh, admire. Can you pick this out from previous Dan Deacon records in terms of its tone and pace and yeah although i'm 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 particularly intrigued by the last kind of few comments because i mean ultimately this now i guess is the third dan deacon record in a row that i have reviewed uh you know on three different publications including this one um and in, in every case you know it's very easy to become hyper analytical when it comes to a review and dan deacon's albums almost like really kind of uh confront you on that on that point so I found myself thinking about this album from the idea of like a score out of 10 and, you know. Uh, oh, we don't do that on this podcast. Thank God. There's no pressure. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to do that here. That's a, a safe place. tremendous, tremendous uh, creative direction and <laughs> should be embraced. I think it shouldn't necessarily get a score out of 10 because ultimately, why give it seven? Why give it eight? Who cares? I mean, like. It's point five. <laughs> <laughs> point, you know, yeah, point one. I, I, I feel We're like not pitchfork. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What's the point system? I, I, I feel like it's been. He's got limitations. Like, let's be fair. Yeah. And the limitations that he has are on this record, and they're on Gliss Riffer, which was the previous record, and they're on America, um, and they're on all his albums, and every artist has limitations, and and that's fine. Um, it's heartening to hear, you know, the live experience, um, and the idea of transcendence, um, and even you discussing the idea of ethnomusicology, like taking over, which I'd never actually previously considered at all. Um, the world music thing. Now that you say it, I'm like, oh my god, yeah, of course, it's right there. But I never really, I guess, it's hiding in plain sight or something. Mm. Uh, to me, like I with him, I've kind of always gone with my gut, and songs like Wham City and Snookered. And when I was done dying and on this one sat by a tree for sure, they just make me feel a certain way and they have that visceral context and they have that ability to just make me scrape myself up off the ground on a bad day and also put me over the top on a good day. 
And maybe it's because, you know, it's like late January, early February, but like it, it has been especially revitalizing to listen to Dan Deacon's music while getting the bus into work or just walking to a place while there's been like this kind of low winter sun uh, splitting into my kind of, uh, you know, um, my, my rods and cones, like mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. And that has helped and that has been important. And I don't think he's ever going to be the perfect artist, but that's kind of the fucking point. Yeah. But I when agree. he is at his best, he does make you feel alive. And that's, I know that sounds so cliched and you can say it about any song ever, but I mean it. And that's really important, I think. And I think on, on the song, and there are there are sections on the song on this album, rather, there, there are songs that, that are stitched together as sections. And he's done them before, but on this one, he has like ARP, you know, one, two, three, four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you were to present them individually, you know, there's these weird kind of jazz loops. And yeah. They're, yeah. Very, they're not inviting, but as a whole, if you tune in and if you switch off the world, it's really, really beautiful. I agree. Actually, There's lots of yeah, really interesting passages, and I really like the ARP uh, idea of being able to explore those. Yeah, as opposed to 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 go off what what you were saying there about how how it's hard to score music that just makes you feel some kind of way. Dave and I, from like ev- every now and then, one of us will text the other person. Dave, Dave and I have been friends for a long time. Um, Well, one of I like I remember pretty recently I texted you and I was like, Dave, I'm having one of those days where I am just buzzing about music. I'm so in love with music and I want to hear all of it at once. Set s- send me send me things that make you feel things. Like send me those big, like the kind of the music for the big moments. And we we spent a day kind of sending each other those kind of things. And I absolutely think that Dan Deegan is is that kind of artist where it's like it's it, you, you can't really put a, a six a seven an eight a nine out of ten on some on a piece of music turning your day around because yeah while while the chord progression might be derivative or while the kind of i don't know the the rhythm might mightn't exactly work or he would employ like crescendos a lot sure very yeah similar. yeah like it, it might even be like completely and totally cliched but if Like the the point I think I believe of of music criticism is is to kind of find f- find what the what the bones of it is and 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 discuss why it works or why it doesn't work. But when there's stuff in it that works and you don't know why, that's where the magic is. It's interesting you to know? what you were saying, Dave, about the idea that you know it's almost like there's an intensity to his music that is matched by, and I know you'd be more into heavier music. And he has that kind of intensity and less aggression, but more, you know, it's a sonic fulfillment. It's dynamically rich. It has lots going on. It is bombastic in lots of ways. It has that kind of quality to it that not many people outside of like heavy guitar music really have. Does that make sense to you? It does in a sense, but also I look at Dan Deacon and again, we come back to the live thing of like, I guess we're, we'll probably discuss it in reasons to be cheerful in a few minutes, but like the idea of like a metal gig and, and I'm not like the biggest metaler in the world, but like 
What? <laughs> I, sorry, I have, emo. Sorry, emo. <laughs> no, but, but 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 what I but I he sits here wearing his checkered vans. <laughs> Leave the checkered vans alone. They're readery noise. A member of the 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 great rap hip hop rock uh, hybrid horror complimented those vans. Aww. So I will take them to Who? the grave. I don't know his name. <laughs> it was a very busy day. Um, I'll get back to you. But listen, I mean, like. I wanted the Dan Deacon crowd to be better. Not fair on him, not fair on the crowd, but I want him to be better because I've been to like Malgigs, I've been to professional wrestling shows. The idea of this pageantry, this circus, this production, this colorful, crazy thing that is not the door. You walk in the door and the door closes behind you and this room is different and it is different for 90 minutes and that's all you get. You get 90 minutes once a month, once a week, once a day, whatever the fuck it is and this is yours and this is everyone's and everyone should be kind of embracing and perfect and amazing but that's not, you can't, you can't design that. No. It happens by itself. And I have found that happen at Metal Gigs. And I agree with you. I, I think found that happen at Metal Gigs too. Some of the, some of the most inclusive yeah. and positive spaces. Shockingly I've ever been so, to right? Is, but then not shocking gigs. at all. When not you, shocking at all. When you weigh it up. Yeah. Like I mean And as as a kind of a, a I guess well, in those days, I was a slight enough woman um, or a slight enough girl, uh, a very protective space for women too. And like I I even if I'm not even that into the band i'm always happy to go to metal yeah and i mean like um, this may not be the conversation that you were necessarily opening up but, uh, but but at the same time i think that it does have the dna because i would agree with you that like there's an element of dan deacon where it's like it's so opaque sometimes and it's so kind of like yeah you can hear a clang of a guitar and you're just like oh wow that's pop and that's rock and like you know my favorite like rock bands are pop bands like and there is that kind of shared communality and I suppose that's why I was kind of disappointed by the gig I went to because I kind of thought the crowd would have been this kind of right. pick you up if you fall down. And the, that's not I his know, fault, though. And I know should be people said who've gone to Dan Deacon gigs where he does this sort of like little like everyone does the little dance move. And then he's like, you have to protect like this synth and everyone gathers around the synth and sort of minds it and huddles it and then it gets oh. passed around the crowd and everyone's like isn't this incredible we're all minding the music and I was just like that's cool like I like I wasn't there at the time that that happened but that is a really nice thing but it only ever happens organically if there is that moment where mm. he says something and everyone goes oh yeah whereas if there's people going yeah. Oh, I and I'm sure he, he I'm sure he doesn't like experience a, a special gig every, every single time he does it either but I think that that's what makes the nights when it works so special and But I guess the the point there is that there's a reason he uh, had the album launch in Dublin because he's clearly mm. had good nights here yeah. he played yeah. here a lot so that's kind of the and even thing in him. like even in the Roisin Dove I've heard of he's had like epic gigs in the Roisin where it's like obviously this is like some sort of a thing for him and his music and some sort of a weird spiritual music home yeah yeah I think he, he's, finds, he, he has found an audience more, here um People are more vocal and more open to doing that kind of thing for him. Yeah. Yeah. I guess lastly on the album itself, what I will say is, and like this is a cliche, and I'm definitely someone who who repeats myself like a broken record on this, but the album itself is constructed this way and feels this way to me. It does feel like a therapy session, but it feels like a particularly healthy therapy session. And to go back to what Andrea was saying, the idea of kindness and the idea of warmth and invitation, it's all over it. And 
if that's his legacy, like if that's his legacy as an artist, one who brought people together, you know, brought the freaks together and, and brought people together who needed to be kind of picked up when they when they weren't even sure of themselves and to do so while also making kind of, you know, I think I think musically, I think he may have kind of exhausted himself a little bit as an inventive artist, but that's totally OK when you have made some of in my opinion the most essential songs i've ever heard like mm-hmm. I, like like even if you have one he has five or six or seven or eight um that's enough and he's got a free pass from me for whatever he does next whether yeah. it is film soundtracks or whether it's making a play or whatever he does there's a wonderful um universe like un- universality to what he does everyone is welcome at those gigs everyone is welcome to listen to a dan deacon album and he is an inspiring figure and I don't need his albums to be more than they are. I'm just happy to have more of them. Yeah. I'd love to put on an all ages gig for kids. Kids included for him with Dan Deegan. Oh, yeah. That'd be a good one, right? Yeah, they'd love They should that. do that. It is, like, it is a very wholesome vibe. Yeah. yeah. When you go to a Dan Deegan gig. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I um, to wrap up on this, I was largely kind of uh, found myself moved at times during it, which... Surprised me a bit, but then when I thought about it, I'm like, no, it, it kind of makes sense given given the kind of artist that he is and g- given how I've responded to music that he's made in the past. But um, it's it's definitely a, a record that has kind of seeped into me and um, I've been very, I've been kind of nerdily really digging into like some moments of it. I'm like, oh, that's definitely some like, Indian classical music there and this is definitely some West African stuff like and it's just kind of reawakening like a lot of old passions of mine um and I just find it an incredibly beautiful hopeful record that I mean look you 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 alluded to it Dave like it's not without its flaws but it's fine we all have flaws yeah like I I think there's more subtlety on this record than usual but Mm. his subtlety is in always in all caps so you're like well it's not exactly it's not exactly like oh there's a moment of pure introspection here yeah yeah. but I think on his own terms I think it's one of the most complete records he's done in a long time Mm -hmm. so I would say I'm I'm enjoying this I'm not sure how much I go back to it though myself Mm. but um I do think it's a a really good Dan Deacon record Mm -hmm. and He's kind of an artist you have to take on your own sometimes, on his own sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Okay, that is Dan Deacon. Uh, let's play a little bit of a song, uh, opening song called Become a Mountain. <laughs>
was Dan Deacon. The album is called Mystic Familiar. Uh, if you do want to watch some of that gig, it's on his Facebook page. You can watch about an hour of it. And uh, Kelly Doherty in the office, actually, uh, her musical project, Gadget and the Cloud, supported as well. So thanks. She? Congrats to oh, Kelly for doing that. that. She Kelly. met him, said he was a lovely fella. Oh, I'm sure we know it. Dan's a lovely fella. Um, it is time for <laughs> Reasons to be Cheerful. And uh, we've actually been pretty positive there. So we will. Yeah, weird. Yeah, right? weird. <laughs> Why don't you get back into bed? Reasons to be cheerful. Part three. One, two, three. Summer Buddy Holly, the working folly, the golly Miss Molly, and boats. Hammersmith Pally, the Bolshoi Bally, jump back in the alley, add nanny goats. Okay, reason to be cheerful is where we go around the room and ask everyone, uh, do they have a reason to be cheerful? Because they better do, because we asked them to. Um, uh, who wants to start? I I'll will. Start, I okay. I'll do yeah. it. Uh, I'm actually kind of glad this came post Dan Deacon review because my reason to be cheerful, uh, like my gut reaction was January of all things, you know, the, the the five week month from hell that we all dread. I will say that like, ultimately, I thought January on a music front was unusually good. I mean, it's not always great. It can be a barren month for entertainment when it comes to pretty much everything. You know, it's the weird post Christmas blur, but Dan Deacon's album would be among the records that I enjoyed in January. There was Dan Deacon, there was Selena Gomez, there was Bombay Bicycle Club, there was Georgia, there was Mac Miller, and there was Andy Schauf. I enjoyed all of those records, and I was like, Jesus Christ, we're off to a flyer here. Um, Even, like, uh, on top of that, neither very graciously invited me to see Lankham play in Vicar Street that's uh, right. in the first God, three that's days so long ago it feels yeah, like it was last year it was like the 5th like of January ago. it feels like it was a year ago but it actually was last month and that was an amazing show and of course uh, in the middle of the month the gig that I was counting the days down to yeah. I got to see my boys Slipknot <laughs> not only did you get to see them you got to interview <laughs> I got to interview Slipknot guitarist Jim Root that's on joe.ie if you want to go see that he just uh, grabbed my hand <laughs> Norma grabbed my hand and I embraced it. I put my hand out and he Yeah, for anyone who does not know me from the old No Encore podcast, by the way, um, (laughs) huge Subnaut fan, my fifth time seeing them, I absolutely adore them. And again, I mentioned earlier on when I mentioned rock bands who are actually secretly pop bands, that is Slipknot and I said that to Jim Root when I spoke to him and thank God he agreed mm-hmm. and he agreed harshly and was like I take it as a compliment um, just you know like think about your favourite band and what they give you and if you get to see them live maybe four or five times in a lifetime it, it really was something I needed to have in my life at that time and you know it's uh, like unforgettable and you know strong January yeah like like it shouldn't be this good I hope the rest of the year can can follow the momentum and it's been a strong start and I want to continue. Very good. Um, to go on from that, something that has made me happy from Niler was learning that Angel Olsen is going to be playing Vicar Street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, she announced her tour a little while ago and uh, left out an Irish date, which, which is I currently was... on now in Europe, right? She's touring. Yeah, right so she's now. she's currently touring right now. And when she first announced it, there were loads of like like on Instagram, there was loads of comments just being like, "What about Dublin? What about this?" And she was like, "Sorry, lads." <laughs> and it was Next just time. yeah it was just kind of like a, there was no real explanation it was just like so sorry we couldn't hit you up um, the tour and like this <laughs> a really extensive tour was announced and she just announced a headline date in Vicar Street for the 24th of June, June which yeah, is yeah. absolutely unreal mm. hotly followed by Big Thief being announced for Vicar Street, Vicar Street in September, September 2nd, which is Wednesday and after the, the picnic. And the Strokes later this month. Oh, no. 
That's really weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Strokes nice. playing in Belfast. I think so. They they seem to be doing a tour of kind of un, maybe unusual yeah. cities, they like were, not the were, not the not the typical. Like three weeks out, they're playing um, Belfast. Mental. Saw that this I'm morning. Absolutely delighted because when it first happened with Angel Olsen, I will put my hands up. I was one of those people who commented on Instagram, <laughs> being like, "What's <laughs> the story, hon? <laughs> like, Angel why baby. talk to me? <laughs> um, break my heart like what's this? the issue?" Um, and it, I was like, why? Because she played Vicar Street when she l- released her last album. And, and like, I think to a, like a very responsive crowd. So I was like, I hope it's not that they don't think that there's not enough like of a pull in Ireland for it. So thankfully she has announced it. And hopefully this means that there's a lot of other big gigs that will be announced in Ireland mm. really soon because there's been kind of a few big artists who've skipped over Ireland in the last little while so I'm hoping that it's just a case who else is not coming you were saying earlier Billie Eilish Billie Eilish didn't announce an Irish date and I know that everyone's like oh but she played Picnic Um, it's not the same but it's not the same thing it's not the same thing and it's like people are like oh it's expensive to come to Ireland because you're like like, it's not the same as doing like a British tour blah 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 and I was like but now there's Brexit so it's fine just come here it's fine it's grand but now there's Brexit (laughs) it's the greatest like spin it's grand well I I mean, um, it makes it more expensive to go to Jesus, this is our Britain, first post-Brexit podcast. Yes, I know, here yes, we all are. Hey, and so, look, Angel Olsen has accepted it and she's coming to Ireland. Like, it's grand. Lads. Angel That's Olsen great. speaks out on Brexit <laughs> and announces Dublin. Um, so it's good that those, those gigs are being announced because it is a bit of a fear sometimes, I think, with Ireland that you're like, we'll be forgotten about a little yeah. bit or, or worse you'd be thrown in uh, and you'd just be on a festival and you'd be like ah, yeah and they're like oh I so great like, to be here in the UK yeah <laughs> and you're like oh they've just like they've played their electric picnic gig and they're out so it's excellent to see that there's bands playing headline or James gigs. Blake being announced for the Ivy Gardens I'm, I'm not sure so just not that. bothered no like, I really like the uh, album but I'm not sure I about like the album. Album. wrong yeah. venue wrong venue wrong venue and I've just never really Connected with him live. I just don't think he should. I saw him in Whelan's once, so I was like, well. In Whelan's? Yeah, Whelan's really? I thought he'd be first playing a bigger. Though. First album. Oh, okay, fair. Mm. Yeah. My reason to be cheerful uh, yes, this Andrea. week is. Well, one of them was was the Strokes. Uh, I'm not, I'm not I'm not going to go up to Belfast, but I mean, nice to have the lads in the country. Like, <laughs> nice um, to know they're there. Yeah, just just, just sense them. Well, just, sorry, also, sorry, is this like until Belfast is recognised as a 32 county state? <laughs> <laughs> I will not travel there. I will not be. I will not be going up to see the Strokes. Yeah, and just it's. I just I get cheerful when I think about doing cast podcast generally. But uh, no, my my reason for cheerful this week is something that I just discovered on my own, and I don't think anyone else would be that excited about. But for a very 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 long time, there was a very crucial Elliot Smith song missing off Spotify, um, and that song is the studio version of Miss Misery, which you might know from "It's Not Your Fault." It's not your fault, etc. Um, and the only way for years that I've been able to listen to that song is the YouTube rip, which is a really, really the YouTube, uh, the music video rather, um, which is very, very low quality. It dips in and out. It's, it's very terrible, like any video of, of, of Elliot Smith uh, while he was alive. But um, 
I was just on a bus and I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to Smelly Smith, threw on the the uh, deluxe version of XO, got to the end of it. And then the opening chords of the studio version of Miss Misery just came on. And I was like, oh, my God, they've put it back on Spotify. And um, I've listened to besides what we've reviewed today, like almost nothing else. So why was it taken off? Why? I've no idea. Like, because... I, you also couldn't get it on the um, on the the official soundtrack for um, Goodwill Hunting either, so I don't know why it wasn't there. I, I know like the uh, Brian Jones Sound Massacre have have a few songs that are off as well because of like label and rights issues or something. So I imagine it's something to do with mm. the film studio and Elliot's label and it's very messy, but. But it's back now and I'm I'm so, so happy that it's there. And I think now that you can listen to kind of all of his recorded music uh, on Spotify, which is pretty fucking nifty because that was a big, big song to not have on there. Mm. Um, so, yeah. And now I'm just listening to like just this happens maybe I'd say nine times a year where I'm like, oh, I'm just going to listen to nothing but Elliot Smith forever and I'll be happy. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. So, yeah, Elliot Smith making me cheerful. <laughs> yes, well <laughs> there done. You go. Um, well, I guess my reason to be cheerful is also one of the reasons, uh, one of my things that I've been consuming recently mm. um, in terms of TV, film, and music, and podcasts, and all that kind of stuff. It is uh, the Uncut Gems soundtrack oh, by yeah. Tricks by Never. It is insanely good. And I kind of love hate it do you know what i mean like i'm just like what the hell is going on what's, how did they what, what's the title what's the end credit song i was trying to because there's no oh is it scooter or something no it isn't no but it, it can, is it scooter <laughs> are you fucking joking but it, it, it comes like whatever end. euro trash song because oh, apparently gg agostino yeah yeah oh nice so apparently like when that came on, I was in the lighthouse and I went to see it and it was like the opening weekend. That song came on and everyone went, yeah! But I got like, uh, people I know who saw it in America, in New York, in the cinema, that song, that song came on at the end credits and apparently loads of Americans were just like, weird <laughs> like really? what an odd choice because it's obviously really like it is like euro trash oh, dance yeah, yeah. well music. look why don't, we, why don't we give it to people what they want and play a bit of the oh, track oh yes Yes, and the entire score is like that too. No, it's yeah, not. No, 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 it's not. Um, yeah, World um, Never score is more like more Vangelis kind of yeah. uh, weird 80s jazz, lots of reverb. And somehow it works really well yeah, with the film. Excellent. I found that it was almost kind of like weirdly like video gamey. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, like, obviously like, Blade Runner. Uh, yeah, you know, and like kind of bleepy bleepy kind of feel yeah. to it. Yeah, but it just gave the film a whole other dimension that I was like, really brave choice. I thought Uncut Gems was excellent. 
I watched it on Sunday. I was I really dreading away. watching it because I just heard oh, so yeah, many. Oh yeah, I was dreading oh, it. That it was so stressful. Stress. I, I already yeah. have fucking loved oh, it. Oh come here, my anxiety was up to ninety, but I absolutely loved yeah. it. Like I, I already have an anxiety disorder, and I was like, I don't. I, I, is this the right thing for me to do? Like right before bed on a Sunday, and I watched it, and I was like, uh, no, it wasn't. But also, like I was awake for hours afterwards. Like I was. I I felt so, it in my body. So no is the answer. Uh, no, it wasn't. But uh, it wasn't the right thing. But I I loved it. I thought it was yeah. dead. Like it's a lot yeah. of dialogue happening at the same time, and then with the soundtrack on top of it, mm. it adds that extra layer of just like, oh my god, my brain is like mush. Like, yeah. uh, how do I process anything? Yeah. But in a really good way. Dave, have you seen it? Yeah. Four out of five. <laughs> we'll never watch again. Four out of five. We'll yeah. never watch again. Why yeah. not? Where's the That's fifth? Four, four stars. Where's we'll the fifth four star five, gone? We'll never watch again. Yeah. Okay. It's fine. It's good. It's a bit overhyped. It's grand. Great Where, performances. The f- Parasite's the one, guys. Let me tell you that. You know, <gasps> Haven't seen it yet because it's not out yet, Well, Dave. I don't know what you're talking about. It's not out <laughs> It was on the Lighthouse this week. Yeah, yeah. That, that, it was, was, that was. There like was a preview premiere. screening. Were you not that the was exclusive pre- screening of Parasite? Yeah, no, and neither were you. I don't know what you're Mr. talking about. Mr. I'm going to illegally download. That's it. Accusation. But I won't... Another, do you have good legal on this podcast? <laughs> Hold on, actually, we do. Our next door neighbor is actually a uh, barrister. Get so. him in, <laughs> lawyer up asshole. I will I'm not say, coming back for twenty percent. I'm, I'm coming back, back for, for everything. everything. I will oh, say Andrew a lot Garfield. of the like a lot of the Oscar films this year have like upped their game. Uh, score and soundtrack wise. Yeah, the Joker. Like, you the can Jankster. go to see. You can you can go to see the Joker in uh. Borgosh Energy Theater with a live orchestra. Seventy only euro. seventy euro. <laughs> only only a, a hot little seventy euro to go. Well, see I mean, that I'm everyone's I'm, favorite incel causing crime damage. I'm fine with that being seventy euro. You should always 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 pay your musicians, but. Really, the jo- the the Joker is this Yo- the Joker? <laughs> like, Do we think the orchestra are going to be done up in clown makeup? I certainly <laughs> hope. No, they won't be allowed in the building. We it's can only hope so. As we discussed last week on the podcast, Luke Sharkey's been having a great week on Twitter. He just extended that yesterday by saying, "Can imagine the diehard fans of Joker have plenty of excess cash lying around in the absence of going on dates." <laughs> <laughs> Luke's gone viral like three and times. And he this is week. absolutely correct. Yeah, he's correct. Very good. Um, yeah, I mean, we can probably leave it there for this week. Is there anything else you want to discuss anything that you've else seen? Or... No, my, my no, only thing was Uncle good. Gems. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, me too. Pretty much. Okay, that all that remains for me to say is thank you, Norma. This has been for thank you very much. Surprise for special guests. Um, <laughs> thank you, Dave Hanready. Thank you very much. No everyone. encore returns on February 14th, Valentine's, Valentine's Day, Day, baby. Marilyn Manson's got a song called Valentine's Day. It's pretty grim. I <laughs> promise the podcast will be slightly more upbeat. <laughs> okay, we won't play that song. Um, oh, do you should totally. No, it's great. I won't. Uh, Aren't you glasses. No, it's called Valentine's it Day. Well, I'm looking forward to you coming back and uh, uh, congratulations and thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks guys. This is really, it's, really it's fun. A, it's nice to be able to get you in because you're on a break, so that's good. No, yeah. legit, like honestly, thank you. Um, it's, you know, obviously where people don't want us to be friends for some reason, but... I Who? I, I've are heard people, talk. Are people inventing Whom? beef? I've heard talk. I love inventing beef. You, you know, it's good. Oh, no, no, but there is so much beef. <laughs> <laughs> it's all on air and I'm all talk and then when we're together, I'm like, no. Yeah, I, w- I was debating... Me. During the reason to be cheerful segment, I was like, it'd be really awful if I was like, well, the reason to be cheerful is that I'm on this podcast. But, but legit, it's nice. No, it was slipknot instead. <laughs> it's, just, it's just nice to be here, guys. It's implies. Yeah. Thank you. All okay. Well. 
Thank you so much. Uh, we're back next week. Uh, we're going to leave you with a song from the Kilkenny duo Soul Cat. Uh, that is Pete Lawler, aka Replete, and Leo Pearson. They did a debut album of electronic music out uh, about two or three weeks ago. It's called Nocturne. Soul Cat, if you like what you heard, it's Soul Cat uh, with two T's and a K. Dot bandcamp.com. This is a song called Suzumi. Bye. Bye. Bye.